Anything combat with Johnny K. It's anything combat, though. Welcome back, combatants, to the Anything Combat Show, wherein we discuss everything mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Johnny K, and today we're joined by UFC bantamweight, the Joker, Jay Perrin. How are you, Jay? I'm doing great, brother. How are you? Good. Do you have any fight news, bro? Yeah, I'm fighting on Saturday. I'm fighting in uh, at, at a different. I'm not in the UFC anymore, so I lost. I lost that, but I. I am fighting on uh, Saturday night at uh, Buck Forty Five. Do you wanna do you wanna go back to the UFC or do you see yourself going Bellator One or PFL? Everybody wants to go back to the UFC, man. I, obviously, I would like that, but uh, I'm a mercenary, so if you pay me, I'll go there. You know, so you know, it, it really depends on, um, you know, who's gonna pay the most. It's not really that like I don't love the UFC. They obviously pay great. You know I mean, I mean for for uh, especially lower low guys, but um, you know, you where the money brings you, you know, that's going to give you a, a better quality of life. So I'm not against any larger promotion picking me up at all. You fought Rael Rosas Jr. He had a lot of fucking hype and, yeah. you know, um, he's gone on to lose. I want to ask you, do you think that his career was overhyped or do you think that he will be good in the next eight years? Because he's only like 18. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I don't think he was overhyped. I think that his progression was rushed. I think that they rushed him too fast um, and expected the world of him. He's an 18-year-old kid, and um, I just think that they, a lot of people put a lot of pressure on him to be, you know, like a Brendan Moreno or, a, you know, an Alexa Grasso. And uh, that's a lot of pressure to put on a kid, man. You know what I mean? And, and even though I lost to him, I don't envy him for that because that's a lot, you know. And um, he lost the way he did, but it seems like he's he's humbled himself since and, um, you know, he's training with, with really good people. So I, I don't believe he, they, you know, he won't progress. It's only, there's only up for him. You know, there's only, that's the only way he can go. Um, if people are going to get on an 18 year old about losing a single fight to a very polished veteran, you know, and had he lost to me, people would have called him trash too. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, the kid, the kid can't do right or wrong really. You know what I mean? So, uh, in eight years, yeah, He's 26 years old and he keeps training with Aljo and some of the best people in the world in Las Vegas. There's no fucking way he doesn't get better. You just brought up the champ, Aljo. I want to ask you, out of all the current male champions or female, doesn't really matter, What? Uh, who's your favorite champion right now fighting, defending the title? Gotta be Volk. You Gotta love Volk? Love Volk. Love Volk. Um, just masterclass, dude. You know, the guy, the guy just gets better. You know what I mean? Every time he puts on a performance that you think he probably can't top, he goes out there and he just blitzes somebody. You know, the Islam thing is crazy. I thought he won the damn fight, to be honest. Um, and then he just put Yair off. He beat the shit out of Yair. You know, and, and like, I didn't see that coming. You know, I, I thought it was going to be a competitive match, but he beat the dog shit out of him. And then, like, he did it to Max. He did it to Yair. He's doing, he's cleaning out 45. Like, not like a little bit. He's, he is decimating every single person that you put in front of him. Then he went up a weight class and beat Khabib's protege, essentially, or or should have at least kept it close going against the bigger man. Um, he had Islam worried in that fight, you know, concerned for his safety in his eyes. So, like, I don't know, man. You can say, uh, you know, John Jones is the greatest ever, sure. But pound for pound right now, there's no fucking argument that can be made that's going to convince me that Volk isn't the best active fighter in the world right now there's no way 
when I rewatched that fight with Islam, I watched that fight so many times. And mm-hmm. the fact that it was that close just goes to show you that Volk's just a different breed. How are you mm-hmm. going up against Samboist Judoka from Dagestan and putting on an yep. absolute clinic, dropping him but, multiple yep. times? No one even took touches him down. Him. Too, took him down at a certain point. You know what I mean? Like, what more can you say? You know what I mean? Like, like even in a loss, even though he lost that fight, did he? You know what I mean? Did he really lose in any regard because of the performance he put on it? You know what I mean? Even in a loss, he still won somehow. You know what I mean? There's, he's the only guy that can lose and still keep the pound for pound greatest in the world spot because he, everybody unanimously agrees. Yeah, with Volk, I can't believe that his stock rised due to the fact that he lost. Everyone in the MMA community actually thought it was like, you know what, if he's putting on a performance like that in a in a, in a a loss, then who gives a fuck? I yeah. have rewatched that fight three or four times, and from what I've seen, I believe he wins the rematch. And 100%. also, And also, there's an argument, I know this is a crazy argument, but in the Shevchenko-Santos fight, Shevchenko was on her back the whole time and uh, getting pinned on the floor, and she kept on striking volume. And the yep. whole round was control time, and Shevchenko's um, getting Shevchenko getting put on her back, and then her punching shots right for the whole mm-hmm. round. So it was either the strikes of Shevchenko or the control time of Santos, and they gave that round to uh, Shevchenko. The same thing happened with Makachev oh, and Volk, but instead dude. they gave they gave Makachev the round from control time, which is completely bullshit. But you know what, dude. No one knows what the fucking criteria for this sport is. Like, nobody. Nobody. Even the fighters. We have no idea what is being judged at any given time. I'll give you some examples. So, like, there's examples of takedowns. I'll just go with takedowns. Because, like, at this point in our sport, we have no idea what a takedown, how, like, how significant a takedown is anymore. Because one week, it's takedowns without damage don't matter. Right? They don't matter unless you damage that person or pass or whatever. Right? So, okay, fine. Right? They, they even judge, I forget what fight it was, but that was basically, what was it? It was uh, Piotr Jan versus uh, O'Malley. Right? They said that Piotr didn't do any damage on the foot sweeps and the takedowns, so that's why O'Malley won in general, even though technically they counted six of those takedowns. So, like, that's one week. Okay, so he didn't do any damage. Okay, so that was what we were looking at. Okay, so if you take somebody down, you need to do damage or it's not going to really be scored well. Two weeks later, there's another fight, and it's very small. It's not as big. It was Miles Johns versus Vince uh, Morales was the was the fight. And Miles was losing, or what appeared to be losing. At the end of the second round, he got a takedown with two seconds left in the, in the round. Even if we're going off of the damage thing, two seconds is with the bell ring is not enough to secure a takedown. That should not be considered a takedown. That takedown that had did no damage with one second left in the bell was enough to give Miles the win. He landed no damage in that. So what they're doing is, is they're changing the fucking criteria and what we're looking at week to week. So we have no idea how to fight the damn fight because judges are just making it up as they go. And like, I, I'm not saying that different parts of the world shouldn't have maybe, like, at least in the states where I'm at, at least there should be a unified, absolute rule list. There's no state to state. This is what we're looking at. 
you look at this fucking thing. You look at this thing. This is what you're basing it off of. If I have seven minutes of control time in a 15-minute fight and they have three and that's what the stat comes down to, guess who won that fight? I did. So, like, I, I just feel like the rules, it's like a, like a, a four-year-old that doesn't want to lose at the pretend game, so he just makes shit up as he goes to make sure that he wins. That's how judging feels right now. It just feels like, oh, well, I'm just going to say whatever the fuck I want to secure my job or even or just even secure my judgment in this fight, even though it was outlandish. How many fucking fights have we watched where everybody in the world goes, what? The whole time. And then these guys go home and they get a check, man. Like they get like no matter what they do, they get a check. Bad call, good call, questionable call. Doesn't matter. They leave that chair. They get their money. They go home and they sleep like a baby. It doesn't matter if they they fucked somebody's career off of one loss because they screwed us. Has no has no bearing on them. There's no accountability for it. So like I've, I've got I've got an example. I got an yep. example for you. I'm gonna validate everything you're saying. Fucking Corey Sandhagen. Not gonna lie, one of the most underrated fighters to ever live. So Corey Sandhagen, dude, I'm telling you right now. I don't know what it is about his career, but he's very unlucky. He he fought TJ Dillashaw, one of the, one of the best bantamweight champions we've ever had, and he totally he totally beat him, and they robbed him of random no takedown control time just on the fence, which is completely what you've said, where the judges just shit the bed, even though Corey beat the shit out of him for 25 minutes. And then the Cheeto Vera fight, he beat the shit out of him again for 25 minutes, and one judge gave a split decision to Cheeto. That is fucking unacceptable. That's two, two times. There's always one judge. There's, and you know what? who it always is? It's always Saul D'Amato, always Saul D'Amato. And there's one, I think it's Mike something. I forget his name, but there's, there's two of them. That on every single bad call, these are the two people that are, it's always one of them that's the judge that gives the other guy 29, 28, or 30, 27. What's up with all these 30, 27s going the other way? Do you know what I mean? Like, what? Like, I, I, I just feel like as a fan base, or as like a community of people involved in this sport, if you make a fucking bad call, that should be appealed. It should be able to be appealed. First and foremost, you can't appeal shit because when you do, what happens is, is an investigation that happens. Who runs the investigation? The commission. The same fucking people that hire the judges. So obviously they're not going to admit that they're doing their fucking job wrong. So... Anytime you appeal, they're just going to tell you to go fuck yourself. That's exactly what they're going to They're going to go eh, and move off, right? Because that would admit fault that something went wrong. So instead of that, they'll just, huh, I'm all shoulders. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's fucking, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, and, and, and it's just people's livelihoods, man. You know, like stop fucking around with people. Like you get to go home to a nice house. You can make $20,000 in events or some shit. And this guy just missed out on it. Like, Kai Kara France should have won that fight recently. Amir Abazi. Amir. He should, absolutely should have won that fight. He got fucked out of $100,000. And a title shot. Title shots can be re-won. $100,000. He lost. Do you know what I would do to somebody who fucked me for $100,000? I'd break their kneecaps and boil them in a stew. 
You know what I mean? So like, and that happened to him. And then, and then like, he could be like, oh, that's bullshit. But then they'll be like, <laughs> that's all they do. That's all they do. And it's like, and it's like, dude, there has to be some kind of accountability at some fucking point. Cause this shit's getting ridiculous. You got to, and again, why are not non, why are non fighters or like old boxing heads from the fucking sixties judging a modern sport that they didn't grow up watching clearly don't know what the fuck they're looking at. So like, why aren't ex fighters being given jobs in these commissions to watch this and then go, this is, this is how, yeah, I can see how this, because most fighters think the fucking same as far as judging. So like, Get rid of these people and replace them with people that know the sport or give a shit about it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I can go on forever about fucking judging. But until it changes, we're going to start seeing, like, one loss in MMA is detrimental. One. One loss. And and to do that at the highest stage to people, especially people that have taken years and years to get there, only for you to screw them out of their first contract because two out of three decisions you should, probably should have won and you didn't. Because other people, so now these people work their whole lives for people that don't give a shit about them to go, sorry, dude, uh, we'll get it better next time. You know, and I, I just feel like that's wrong in like every way. Okay, so to, to validate what you're saying about you need people in the sport that give a shit, you got the refs. You got Mara Yamasaki who just just shit the bed for like fucking years, right? And then you have, then you have Frank Trick who was a fighter and dude, he did, he did great. He did great. He cared about, he did, he great, cared great, about right. the fighters. He cared about the sport. And because of that, he did his mm-hmm. fucking job correctly. You got judges here. that are just fat yep. fucks that haven't done any Muay Thai, no jujitsu, nothing. Doesn't know what a fucking Uma Plata is. Doesn't know what fucking anything is. They're, the, they're like the parents that have kids. They're like the, they're like the parents that have kids that, you know, during jujitsu class, they're like, just stand up, but have never, like, have never actually done the sport. They just tell their kid what to do from the sideline. You know what I mean? Like, this is crazy. They're coaching on the sideline, having no experience in the thing that they're fucking talking about. And we're supposed to take their judgment as, as law. And it's like, dude, fuck this. I need to see, like, and you know how long it takes to become a judge? Not long. It takes like six weeks. I think it takes the same amount of time to become a police officer, at least over here, which is, you know, a different issue. But the point is, it doesn't take long and you can bullshit your way through it. So maybe more stringent testing for judges or, you know what I mean? How would you score this? I don't know. But this shit has to change. Because if it doesn't, people are just going to continue to get screwed. Like over and over and over. And, and if we have no fighters union, then we need to start attacking judges. Because what they do is, is they'll, they'll say, you know what people do? They go, well, don't leave it in the hands of the judges. Don't, don't leave it. You know what? Fuck you guys for that. Because this isn't, this isn't 1920 down by the docks where you just bleed for me. Do you know how hard it is to, to not only finish just a person, you know what I mean? Never, you know what I mean? Because everybody believes they have like one point, like I can just be like, oh, I'm going to finish him. And then I do. You know what I mean? Like, it's not how that works. And how hard it is to finish a professionally trained athlete that does this every day, you know what I mean? At the highest level. Do you know how hard it is to do that? It doesn't come easy. So the people that do make it look easy, there's a lot. Of, there's a ton of work behind that. There's, it's not like just something that they do. It took you know? off so, the third round against Yair for fuck's sake. 
You know what I mean? And for a long time, you can't just turn it on. You know what I mean? And and people go, don't, don't leave it in the hands of the judges. No, dude. We have rounds and shit because some people are zombies and you're not going to just finish them. It's just not how it works. So, like, do you know what? Do you know why what we have in place for when that happens? Judges. That's why they exist. So, so that people don't die because people are just fighting until somebody falls the fuck down. You know what I mean? So, like, instead of placing blame on the fighter, maybe we should have judges that are competent at their fucking job because our job is to show up and make rate, make weight and fight and win, not judge the fight for you. You know what I mean? Not do your job too. So, like, I really resent the, well, don't let it go to the judges. Dude, fuck you because that's not how that works. You know what I mean? And, and, and so, like, instead of holding people to the fire for their mistakes and not doing their job correctly, we place the blame back on the fighter. It's the fighter's fault that the judges fucked up the decision. Do your job, dude. It's also it. a problem because fans like me that go back, rewatch the the whole fighter's career, I look and I go, okay, well, he didn't really lose yeah. there and he didn't really lose there. So what's his actual record? And I tell people their actual records. Like people said about Leon Edwards, oh, I guess he's twenty or something, three and one, no contest. To be honest, I don't fucking think so. He's got one loss because of a fucking DQ, which, to be honest, like you you can just make that no contest. You've got a no contest where he's beating the shit out of Bilal, right? And then you've got a one loss, which was a split decision, which could have gone his way, as it like the judges fucked up. And then you've got that only loss to Kamara, which he corrected two times. So truly, I think I think of his career as like being twenty-two, one and one, right? So you, so so it goes to it goes to show you that that these judges fuck it up so much, so much that that when you look at a fighter, you go, oh, Leon Edwards is not that good. It's like no, Leon Edwards might be fucking undefeated with all the all of his whole career. Like that is a ridiculous fighter. You know what I mean, like. He's, he's, he's damn near perfect in everything he does. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's crazy. And it doesn't help that the fan base doesn't help its fighters. Not going to lie to you. The fans aren't great, aren't nice to people that lose, even a little bit. You know, you'll see in other sports, people, if the Celtics lose, you know what I mean? And they blew it last year, my basketball team. Absolutely blew chunks on their fucking shoes um, in, in the NBA Finals. But my town went, you know what, boys, we love you. We're still going to support you, right? That shit doesn't happen in MMA. When a guy loses once, he's trash. He's trash. He could he could win twelve fights in a row prior to that, and the fans will go, "Oh, he lost his decision." Trash. That's what they'll do. And so, like, if fans got up got behind fighters the way that they do for their fucking regular organized sports teams, then maybe they would be able to have some effect on how things work. But they don't, because they because the the status quo is go on Twitter and just absolutely annihilate this person that just that just lost um and do the whole you know don't leave it in the hands of the judges you're a bum for that type thing it's just fucking one person that uh people have really gone their shin to twist uh with is uh cody garbrandt you fought mario batista they're fighting each other very soon what do you think about that matchup who do you think's winning i'm gonna go i'm not i'll never vote against why why not what do you what do you Mario's, think about him? Mario's an animal. I think he's very well rounded. I think he's a killer dude. Honestly, when I got in there, that guy is huge. 
Um, he's definitely going to be bigger than Godie. He hits pretty hard. Um, he's just very technical everywhere, you know, and uh, I was lucky to be one of the only people he didn't fucking massacre, you know, so um, having shared 15 minutes with him, and I've watched Cody a little bit, but, you know, only in the gym with him at the same time, and we've never, like, exchanged or anything like that, but I, I just think that he's he's surging, you know, he's a surging young star. I think he's a top 10 of the world, he will. And he'll show that soon. So I, I think he's got a real good chance against Cody. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I really, really do. I think he's well-rounded enough to be able to handle takedowns. Uh, his striking is good. And, you know, he's doing reverse triangles and shit to people. Um, you know, he's, he, he's obviously got the groundwork as well. So I, I'm, on, I'm taking him in that one. I'm not going to lie. I think he's got more weapons than Cody does. The name. That's what it is. They take the name because they don't know Mario. Mario doesn't have any, like, big wins. This is, like, the, the first star that Mario has fought. So, naturally, people are going to gravitate toward the ex-champion over the new over the newcomer, right? But what people don't, people have short-term memories. Very much have you done for me lately. And Cody won his last fight, right? So, everybody only remembers that. But they don't remember that he got fucking killed. You know, Kai Kara France knocked him the fuck out. You know, like, like knocked him out. That's a 25er. Mario hit harder than that. I'm going to let you know. So, you know, um, I, I just see, you know, you get knocked out the way he has, however you feel about it, several times over. It becomes easier each time. And um, I just think that Mario's very durable. He's very stubby. I hit him in the stomach. I feel like I punched a fucking brick wall. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's in it for the dogfight as well. And he's very hungry, dude. You can see it in his eyes. So. Uh, I'm not. I'm not discrediting Cody Garbrandt as a world champion and a world class fighter, but uh, just you know, what have you done for me lately? Mario has been on a fucking roll for a good minute now. I'm on his list of wins. You know what I mean? So like, um, I, it's hard for me to pick against the guy that beat me. I want the guy that beat me to become the champion. You know what I mean? Become, <laughs> be the champ. Makes me look better. That's fun. But like, I, I do give Mario an all like unbiased opinion. I really do believe that Mario has more tools to win that fight. In that bantamweight division, what a difficult fucking division. That's probably the hardest division right now. Uh, he's got a four-fight win streak. So just really pretty underrated. Like four, if you look, I tally up all the win streaks of fighters right now, and four is far above average to the whole roster of the UFC. There's only a handful that are that are above that. Would you say, brother? I said, I said, especially at 35. You know what I mean? Like you said, it's one of the most difficult, if not the most difficult division in the world. And to have four fights, especially two of them being in the top 15, that's crazy. You know, that's, that's a crazy stat. So, you know, just take that into account, I feel like. You're, you're not wrong. What, who's your favorite 35 of all time? It was TJ, you know, uh, just because uh, I, liked, I just like his style. Um, the EPO thing, I got to take a hit on. That was for sure cheating. Um, but as far as technique and how he flowed things together and his footwork was was very something that I emulated young as a kid. Um, that was my favorite 35er then. Who now? I would probably say my favorite 35er now is probably Sanhagen for the same reasons. You know, he probably just doesn't have as good a wrestling as TJ does. But what he does, he does incredibly well. And it's always very entertaining to watch. And, you know, he puts people away. You know, what more can you say? So I would say Sanhagen currently is my favorite man to win. 
So TJ got popped for EPO and you've got Jones who also popped. And I've got a question. People people go crazy on TJ and try and invalidate all of his achievements, but they don't do that for John Jones. Also, quick little Easter egg for fans at home. TJ is one of the only champions to have a five 100% knockout rate in all five championship wins that he's ever had. But yeah, I want to ask you about TJ. So when he pops the EPO, they say, no, no, he can never be calculated in the GOAT list. You know, he's completely invalidated. It's now Dom Cruz. You know, don't worry about, don't worry about his whole career. But with John, they don't, they don't do that. What do you think about that? Because the narrative, man. Because because John Jones because the promoter didn't defend TJ. Nobody defended TJ. If you look at how John Jones's situation was handled, well, John Jones is the is the goat, right? He's the best of all time. So they need to find a way to keep him involved and keep him, you know, interested and in, or people interested in, in in him. So what they did was he brings in more money than TJ does. So. You know, they're not going to just let him ride off into the sunset so people don't want to watch him. They're obviously going to defend him. TJ had none of that. There was, there was, if Dana had come up and been like, we support TJ, you know what I mean? He's going to do this. Everything's going to be great. Then I'm sure the narrative would have been different. But um, I think that people overlook it because of greatness, I suppose, or, or just how the narrative was spun. I think that that has to do with Dana White doing his job very well and making sure that, that you know, the John Jones stayed in a light or a you know what i mean when tj got popped he got popped and he disappeared so everybody had made their opinion and then two years later he came back and that opinion stuck when john jones had all that shit going there was such a polarizing back and people would argue over john jones because of there's the there's the there's the people that support dana that you know go with whatever he says or you know the ufc says and they're gonna fight the people that are like well they, he did the same fucking thing as other people. Why are why is he not getting as much shit? That's not like he did. He are, are like he didn't. He did, but he still remains to be the goat, even though he cheated. You know what I mean? Like he he outwardly cheated. He bopped several times. So like for him to be considered the greatest of all time, but let's say Anderson Silva, who who snapped his shin and, and did steroids so that he could heal, right, is not considered the greatest of all time anymore. Because of that very same reason. But how is it different? How is it different? It's not different. He popped, he popped. So if Anderson isn't the GOAT for that, then why is John? Do you get what I'm saying? Like that, like that doesn't, so like it's, it's kind of, it's pretty hypocritical is what it is. It's, it's definitely a double standard specifically for John Jones. And you have to think about it because he's got a Nike sponsorship. He's, you know what I mean? He had all this type of shit. He was the Michael Jordan of, of MMA for a good minute and that's hard to just let that money kind of go. So like he he definitely got the the push from the promotion. That's my opinion. What inspired you originally to get into MMA and start fighting? Uh I come from a family of Irish boxers. So I am the last uh fighter in my family, I think. Um and uh, you know from a kid from a young age I always just kind of got it. I wanted to be a boxer, but uh my grandfather uh saw somebody die in the ring. So I found MMA later on in my life. And I was like, this is in boxing. So I did that. And, uh, you know, really, I, I, it was just something I got. It gave, you know, it's something that involves my brain and my, my body to achieve. Um, and that's always been something that I liked. Um, 
but no, when I was a kid, you know, I had, I had, I was very, very, I was gifted with violence as a young kid. I was very good at it. And, uh, you know, it was just a way for me to, you know, construct my energy in the right way and making sure that, um, I wasn't using that gift other places. So, um, yeah, I was basically it. I was just bomb, bomb, carrying the torch. I might be the last one to have the torch, but you know, I have it. And so, uh, that's pretty much it. I just, I wanted to keep that alive for my family and, um, if it dies with me, that's fine. But at least I got to do it. Dude, so many people have completely different stories. I was a wrestling champion, so I jumped into MMA. Oh, my dad was an MMA fighter. You're saying that you've come from a lineage of Irish boxers. What an individual sport this is. And it just goes to show you that everybody comes from different walks of life and find themselves in the same sport. And we all love the same sport. So that's just out of control. My next question for you is about injuries. What is the worst injury you've ever um, suffered and how did you recover? Uh, honestly, I've been fortunate throughout my career to not have to have a ton of injuries. My injuries have been very minimal. Um, I broke my right hand and my right foot at the same time during one of my Bellator fights. Um, I was winning that fight pretty handily. I was against Hedgevaldo Corvalo and it was in the last round. I hit him in the, I slipped the punch and I hit him in the forehead and my hand immediately broke. I knew it. As soon as I hit the, as soon as I hit his, his fucking head, I knew my hand was broken. And then I tried to kick and I, I kicked his knee and my foot swelled up like a balloon. So uh, those are probably the two worst fights at first injuries that I've really ever had. Other than that, I, I've honestly only broken a few fingers or toes, uh, but that, you know what I mean? What can you do about that? I think I have a deviated septum now because of it um but that's pretty much it that's about, about as good as it gets for me so i've been very fortunate without injury what about the what about the hand had that feel like and uh did it take a while to recover or are you still good like was there anything wrong with it oh i'm, I'm good i have this little boxer's knot right here i have a calcified um little knot right here that'll be there forever but um took about a month month and a half really to, to heal i kept it going i didn't really hit with it i was kind of just chilling the foot took a little longer because uh you know i was stubborn and didn't want to use crutches or anything like that so i kept walking on it for a little bit but that took about two months once i stopped being an idiot but it wasn't too, it wasn't too bad uh, it was just a uh really, well, the foot was just a minor fracture and my hand was a boxer's fracture so i guess the, my hand happens a lot to people and my foot happened it was a very it was just rare that it happened at the same fucking time so jones versus stipe has just been booked to be, I was unpicking Jones. If this was an earlier time, I know that people were talking about the fact that Stipe has a very good circle game and that Jones circles off and that Stipe really good, is really good at cutting off the angle and punching for, like forwards with straight punches. But, dude, I don't think Stipe can do that shit anymore. I don't think he's athletic. I think Jones is going to pick him up, slam him on his head, and then uh, either ground and pound him or submit him. I think it'll be a first round finish still um, for John. I think he's just got way too many tools as far as striking goes. He's fluid. Maybe heavyweight slowed him down a little bit more, but you know his creativity is still there. Look at the takedown that he got on Cyril um, to finish that fight. It was a it was an outside trip type thing. You know what I mean? If you look at it, he like tripped him from from you know stepping in on a on a fake teep and stuff. So obviously, guy is just he slipped. Slipped a punch at the same time. Fucking crazy. Yeah. You know, just athleticism of another level. And while Stipe definitely has the ability to put people away, 
I just think that athleticism comes into a, uh, into gear. And um, not to say it's hard to doubt Stipe, but he's definitely one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. And if he does beat John, then now he's in a different conversation. But I think John's too long. I think he hits just as hard, especially at, at uh, heavyweight. And I think that, you know, he gets in clip. If Stipe does manage to close the distance, elbows are a thing for John. So, like, um, I don't see where he's better than John at most things. So I, I'm also going John there. And I think after that, John rides off into the sunset and we never see him again. That's all we have time for, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much, Jay, for coming on the podcast. Is there anything you want to say or plug before we wrap up the podcast? Oh, yeah, just follow me on uh, on Instagram or Twitter at Joker underscore gang 35. I'm fighting this weekend um, uh, at Cage Titans. You can watch that on Spectation Sports. Big shout out to all my sponsors here at Lozon MMA um, for all of that help. And thank you for having me today. And I hope we get to talk again soon. You heard the man. Follow Jay on Instagram. Link in the description. And subscribe to Anything Combat on YouTube. Thanks, guys. Bye.